Hi guys, my name is Amrit. I am an ICU registrar in Warwickshire. You may know me by my Instagram handle, Dr Tiara. Today I'm going to share an interesting emergency peri-arrest case with you that I was recently involved in during one of my on-calls. So you are the ICU SHO and you are bleeped alongside your registrar to attend an A&E recess call for a peri-arrest patient that's recently just been brought in by ambulance. Upon entering the recess cubicle, you can see a 48-year-old gentleman who is critically unwell and is unconscious. The paramedics hand over that the parents of this patient had called for the ambulance and reported that the patient had had a deterioration over the past 10 days following symptoms of cough, shortness of breath and fever. After handing over, the paramedics leave the patient in your capable hands alongside the team from A&E and head off. In scenarios like these, this is often all the information you can get and it can be a daunting experience. So when dealing with any critically unwell patient, I often find the best approach is the simplest and it's a systems-based approach using the A to E assessment. So for this case, let's do the A to E assessment and see what we can find. A for airway. The patient has an airway maintained by an oropharyngeal adjunct, which they are tolerating. B for breathing. The patient is making spontaneous respiratory effort and ventilating at a respiratory rate of 45 breaths per minute on average. You can see that they already are on a 15 litre non-rebreathe oxygen mask with saturations often unrecordable and occasionally showing up as 45%. C for circulation. The blood pressure is recorded as 80 over 58. Heart rate is showing a sinus tachycardia at 124 beats per minute. Urine output cannot be measured and the patient is currently uncatheterized. Central capillary refill shows a cap refill time of 4 seconds. You also note that the patient has a intravenous cannula on their right dorsum hand, which is a 22 gauge connected to IV fluid crystalloid bag of normal saline running fairly slowly. D for disability. The patient's GCS is recorded as a 3 out of 15 when you examine them. They have a blood sugar of 10.6. Their pupils are equally uh, reacting to light and the neurology is grossly intact. E for exposure. On exposing the patient you see no other signs of abnormality on examination and the temperature is recorded as 39.4. So I've presented the A2E assessment to you. However, in real practice, you would often correct the findings that are abnormal as you go along from A to E. However, I would like to go through this A to E again with you, but this time looking and considering uh, the possible investigations and management steps we can do to start correcting these abnormalities. So let's begin. A for airway. So we know that the patient has an oropharyngeal airway already in place for which they are tolerating. This is a worrying sign and suggests that we need to do something more. B, so the patient was in respiratory distress, despite being on a significant quantity of oxygen, 15 litres non-rebreathe, which is the maximum we can offer outside of ICU. We are not getting the saturations we need. How can we measure the oxygen levels within the blood, as often saturations can be unreliable in a critically unwell patient when done by a SATS probe? 
An important investigation we can do is an arterial blood gas, which I will show you the results for shortly. C for circulation. We found that the patient was hypotensive and in shock with a sinus tachycardia, which is a compensatory mechanism. The delayed central capillary refill also suggests that they are in shock and underfilled. This is also now a good time to gain further IV access with larger bore IV cannulae and to start further fluid therapy to counteract the signs of hypotension. In scenarios like this, the bigger the cannula in a large vein, the more uh, aggressively you can treat with fluids in young patients like this. This patient is also going to need a urinary catheter so that we can closely monitor their outputs and their renal function. D for disability. So the patient's GCS being 3 out of 15 is a very worrying sign and means that their airway is not reliably protected. The cause for this needs to be ascertained and in this scenario this is where the arterial blood gas will give us some clues. So let's have a look at this. The bedside ABG or arterial blood gas showed findings of a mixed metabolic and respiratory acidosis with a pH of 7.20, pCO2 of 4.3 which is likely to be due to the hyperventilation, PO2 4.6 showing significant hypoxia. The basic cess was found to be minus 14.3 alongside a bicarb of 12.8 corrected, both pointing towards early signs of renal failure or injury. The rest of the electrolytes are grossly normal uh, despite their lactate level which is 10.5 on the first ABG. From this ABG we can see that it's grossly abnormal. We must correct the hypoxia as well as a severe lactate level suggestive of anaerobic respiration going on within the end organs or end tissues uh, which are being starved of oxygen and nutrients. So I want you to pause the podcast here and I want you to try to jot down some management steps you would like to do to try to correct the severe abnormalities we have found on examination so far. So let's have a look at this. The most urgent step that we need to correct is the profound hypoxia. Normally the best approach for this is to increase the oxygen delivery um, or the inspired FiO2 oxygen levels. In this case we are already delivering 15 litres via non-rebreathe mask which is the max we can deliver without invasive means. Hence this patient needed uh, urgent intubation and mechanical ventilation starting in A&E recess which was done by ourselves. The next step would be to treat the hypotension that we have noted. The patient appears to be clinically underfilled and dry and as a result with the new IV axis that we have acquired we can give fluid challenges or boluses to treat this. However in this case those were not enough and despite adequate fluid resus we were not able to achieve an adequate mean arterial pressure to perfuse the end organs. So we had to resort to the next step which was use of inotropes and vasopressors. So now that we have the patient on mechanical ventilation via the ET tube that we've cited, we can increase the oxygen delivery. We can remeasure this by further serial arterial blood gases. Further fluid challenges and vasopressors will have improved the blood pressure and oxygen delivery as well as the blood pressure to the end organs, bringing the lactate levels down and improving the acidosis. So this is the stage where you now start to think about the working differentials of diagnoses. 
To narrow down the Y differential diagnoses list, we had to do further investigations, namely blood tests, bedside portable chest x-ray, as well as further repeat arterial blood gases. The findings of these show that we had raised inflammatory markers on the blood tests, we had signs suggestive of acute kidney injury and renal failure on the UNEs. We noted that the LFTs were deranged alongside the coagulation screen, suggestive of a hypoxic injury to the liver. Furthermore, the portable chest x-ray showed that we had bilateral upper, mid and lower zone consolidation, as well as an appropriately sited ET tube and internal jugular vein central line. So. Raised inflammatory markers with signs of consolidation with a history from what the paramedics reported of 10 days preceding presentation, fever, cough, and shortness of breath. We have narrowed down the differential diagnoses to consist of pneumonitis slash pneumonia, as well as PE. The patient was transferred up to ICU. Uh, due to the instability, we could not get CT scan to exclude PE. Hence, treatment with Alteplase was started, as well as treatment with broad-spectrum antibiotics. COVID-19 samples were sent and came back negative. So in summary, the treatments that we can then offer in ICU are often systems or organ-based support. We can support the airway and the breathing with mechanical ventilation or non-invasive ventilation. We can support the circulation with inotropic or vasopressor support using invasive lines. And we can support the kidneys using hemofiltration or ICU dialysis. In this scenario, we had to support all organs as a patient was in multi-organ failure. Ultimately, the diagnosis was later found to be a very large pulmonary embolism, which is causing significant VQ mismatch and leading to the profound hypoxia and hypotension. This was thrombolyzed and treated appropriately and the patient started to improve. When being asked to attend to critically unwell patients, it can be a very nerve-wracking experience. Um, however, we must always remember to use the A to E approach which will often simplify things and help you identify what's the most important physiological parameter to start to focus and correct. Don't get too bogged down on focusing on the working differentials or diagnosis, and often senior support is very readily available and needed in these scenarios. Thank you for listening to my podcast uh, for Scrubbed In. I hope you found it useful. Please leave some feedback.